Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of the Self Love Club podcast is powered by Blue, the mic of the internet. The Self Love Club, where boss women share their stories to empower others. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Hello, hello. Welcome to a new episode of the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you are new, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us. There is a backlog of interviews with some incredible women for you to catch up on. We rely heavily on your support and there are some easy ways you can do that. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Self Love Club on whatever podcast app you like listening on. We're on all of them. Also, you can follow us at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. You get daily self-care, self-love notes, IGTV, clips of interviews, inside scoops, heaps of goodness. And it's really cool to see where you're listening. Keep tagging us in your stories. Another way, if you're really enjoying it, is telling a friend about it. Sharing with your pals is super helpful. And we do thank you for all of your support. Right, let's get into this week's episode. It's time to get woo-woo. Hannah Creer specializes in soul psychology, yoga, meditation, and Reiki. In this episode, we deep dive into astrology, what's in store for the rest of 2020, and we find out what human design is. There's a dreamy exercise with Hannah coming soon on the self-care series. I know you all love the spiritual stuff, so let's get into it. We're so lucky to have Hannah on the Self Love Club podcast. Hannah, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Belle. I'm very excited. Now, we've got to have a cool chat before uh, where I found out all about what you do. So tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. I am a soul psychologist and I combine spirituality and psychology and kind of work one-to-one with people, whether that's offering um like specific soul psychology sessions or astrology and human design readings. Also teach a bit of yoga and meditation, but um, yeah, it's kind of the body, mind, soul connection that really gets me going. And I'm really excited that I can offer these kind of tools for people these days. (laughs) Yeah. We'll talk through all of that soon, but take us back. Did you know growing up what you wanted to do? I was definitely very spiritually curious I guess as a kid um I would I guess kind of pursue that interest in my own time I'd read books I'd um I don't know like we didn't have podcasts and things back then but I would find little people that inspired me yeah as a kid I was definitely in my own world a lot of the time as well when I left school I actually pursued a law and commerce degree and then worked corporate for four years and kind of I had yoga in the background. I'd practiced yoga since I was about 16, so reasonably young. And then I really believe that kind of fast-tracked my own um, self-awareness journey and just self-discovery that really that was really beneficial for me. And so I made the call to actually leave my corporate job and go and pursue teaching and teaching yoga and meditation more. And then I also went to 
back to uni to study psychology. So at that time, I also dived into astrology, human design, Reiki, other meditation techniques. And I'm just forever curious and like a just eternal student. So I'm, I am where I am today because I have always had that interest, but I guess it was like a decision to actually pursue those passions more full on rather than just kind of journaling about it or reading books. And yeah, I kind of came out of the spiritual closet in a way. Yeah. What do you think made you do that? Were you just not feeling fulfilled in what you were doing and and you really wanted to see if you could, you know, make these a part of your life more full time? Yeah. And I think that the the pull just got like stronger and stronger the more I was practicing yoga and I was teaching yoga while I was working full time. And so it was a bit of a juggle. And then I actually got offered a job at a different firm and that kind of made me reflect on where I was going. And if I did take that job, it would be committing to something more long-term. And my intuition was so strong that I just had to leave and it was scary but I and I did take lots of time to consider it but I'm so grateful that I did and we do know deep in our bodies sometimes when there are those signals and luckily I listened (laughs) yeah talk us through yoga because I think a lot of people think yoga sounds nice and relaxing but it is really quite an important tool of like you say tapping into that self-awareness and discovery and it's such a holistic practice Mm, totally I really enjoyed the practice I think when people start practicing yoga regularly there is this inevitable shift that happens where they're not just working on the physical and a lot of times people are drawn to the practice for the physical reasons and something kind of happens and you start to work on these different layers you go through emotional layers mental layers then obviously there's that spiritual connection and I think what we do in a yoga practice is we go into shavasana at the end where we're laying on on the mat and I don't think there are any other exercises out there that you kind of get that integration time and while it's the most I guess simple posture of the practice I think that it really wraps up what the practice means to me where you're sitting there and kind of basking in your own energy and what you've just worked through and it's just a time to be with yourself and there's less competition and there's just not as much comparison you're on your mat you're doing your thing and you're just listening to your body because because we're moving at a more slower pace there's so many parallels I can see with yoga on the mat to how you are out in the world and I think it definitely built my sense of self-compassion I think most people kind of go through a phase where they're like oh my god this pose this pose this is amazing and you try and twist and turn into all these pretzel shapes but at the end of the day you kind of just come home to you and you usually just feel a big exhale after the class and like you've just kind of shed a lot or yeah had that processing time sometimes I think it's one of those things that you have to experience to understand more than to have someone explain it to you but Mm. I definitely find it it really resonates with me personally and so that's been my little rock (laughs) yeah you're known for your yoga nidra talk us through what that is and why that's so special to you oh wow um yeah yoga nidra is the most magical practice it's almost like when I was just talking about laying in shavasana and doing the most simple thing but it's a meditation but it's basically a sleep style meditation so you're laying down in shavasana and 
you get brought into the most hypnotic state where essentially your brainwaves are slowed down to, um, it's known as the hypnagogic gap where you're basically hovering just above sleep. And that's a really healing place to be. And the sequence of events that you go through in yoga nidra, which usually involve like a body scan, some breath awareness some visualization, uh, it's a really intelligent sequence of events so that your nervous system gets so open and receptive that you just naturally start to release blockages or potentially old traumas or memories in this really effortless, seamless way. And um, at the same time, you're getting really potent rest time because one hour of yoga nidra is the equivalent of four hours deep restorative sleep and so it improves not only the I guess like it doesn't just recover sleep debt you also improve the quality of your sleep just because of the way you your brain waves are slowing down um and so there's a lot of science I guess behind why it works but often when people go into this state we're relieving tension um, on that physical, emotional, mental, spiritual even layer that essentially allows people to kind of go to this space that they're tapping into their their wisdom body really. So people sometimes get messages or they get visions of things or they just feel so deeply restored. And it's a really unique experience that I would definitely encourage like most people to do because it really doesn't discriminate. You don't have to be a certain body shape or like seasoned yogi or anything to do this practice. It's like you just need to know how to sleep, which we're all born knowing how to do. And so, yeah, you just lay on, lay in a really comfortable position and listen to the guidance yeah, given. It's, it's a really cool practice. <laughs> yeah, and super exciting. We will have a, an exercise, Anidra, with you coming with our self-care series soon if you listen to this podcast in real time. Talk us through meditation. Like, how? What are the benefits of regularly meditating? I think a lot of people are discovering how helpful it is, especially during a year like we've had. Yeah, 100%. I guess similarly, meditation, if you're, there's so many different styles of meditation, right? But it's kind of carving out that time for you. And if you're doing a practice where you're focusing on whether it's a a mantra, which might be a a certain repeated sound or um, word that you're repeating, or it could be that you're doing a visualization practice or just focusing on your breath. There's so many different ways. And a lot of times people tend to avoid meditation because they think it's this time where you have to not think, which is just not actually a possible thing for for a human being. We've got 72,000 thoughts running through our mind a day. And really what it's about is becoming aware of them. And so practice of just bringing your mind back to a mantra or a or a specific focus, whatever it is, is actually the the practice in and of itself when maybe you might notice that your mind is wandering off into a story or a thought. You just have that moment of becoming aware and then you can bring yourself back into that seat of the observer. And what that helps us to kind of cultivate in, a, in our daily lives is this separation between our, our thoughts and who we are. And so we start to kind of separate our identity from our worries or our fears or these kind of spiraling thoughts that we can we can go into and that's really really powerful because it gives us that ability to pause when we're in that quite reactive state maybe if we're super stressed and it allows us to actually pause and make the decision of how we're going to respond to what's going on around us and 
that I think is one of the, the biggest things. It also is just a practice today with such a fast paced world to just slow things down. And mm. often there's that kind of initial gritty, uncomfortable feeling when you're, when you're going to put yourself in a seat and meditate where it feels like maybe you're wasting time or, you know, you're not doing it right, which is, it can feel frustrating, but what often happens is that if you just push through a little bit longer, there'll suddenly be that moment where things start to quiet or things feel a little bit more like you're just plugging yourself into this to source really. But it's definitely not um, going to look the same for everyone. And I really, I would encourage people to try it out and figure out their own way and not chuck it out if they just didn't like one style of meditation. That's why guided meditations when you're going to sleep, I find those great because you're already going to sleep. So you can just put it on and listen and it's sort of a, yeah. it's an easier time to do it in some ways if you do find it tricky because you're going to sleep anyway. So it gets you into a good state, right? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. And and when we talk about those brain waves that like usually the brain waves do start slowing down. So right now we're um, in our conscious state, we've got these really rapid beta brain waves. And so when we start to slow things down and bring our mind into the present moment, uh, we start to dip into these alpha theta wave states. And that's where actually our creativity is heightened. We start to receive solutions to um, maybe problems that we've just trying to be trying to nut out in our like conscious mind. And you know, it's like when you go for a walk or you're on a drive and suddenly an answer will come through to you. That's actually because you're in this sort of hypnotic state where you're just very present and in flow state which is a really powerful place to be and so there's there's so many other other benefits greater patience like improving the quality of your sleep again all of those things come from this really Mm. simple practice (laughs) now talk us through astrology i think a lot of us are interested in it you know people keep up with their star signs we you know there's certain star signs you want to avoid they're always like don't date this star (laughs) sign or whatever you know i feel like scorpios and gemini's get the worst rap when it comes to that talk us through astrology because there's a lot that goes to it and i don't always remember all the rising signs like I know what my star sign is but I always and I know through you a bit more now but um I forget all that stuff so talk us through how it all works uh so astrology is essentially the study of the stars and it's an ancient tool of observation that has definitely seen a resurgence recently but for some it's still considered pretty woo or out there and I think that it gets a little bit of a bad rep from horoscopes or when we look in a magazine and we see like the 12 signs like you're (laughs) um, mentioning with Scorpio or Gemini um I can definitely feel for the Geminis. I'm a Gemini out (laughs) here so (laughs) but there's definitely there's definitely so much more to to just your sun sign and actually when I left my corporate role I went and volunteered at a health retreat for a while and then got a reading with an astrologer that was kind of by chance and I was mind blown at how accurate she was and it was like meeting with a psychic meets counsellor meets I guess astrologer but I was really curious after after I had that reading and I went down the rabbit hole anything that kind of speaks to the human condition I get really excited by and astrology basically provides a snapshot of the sky and where the stars were placed at the moment you you took your first breath and that basically creates an imprint in your body in terms of the energy that you carry with you throughout your life and there are so many layers there are 12 signs like you kind of mentioned we can we can go through them if you want but everyone embodies the signs in a different way and so we've also got things called houses and planets and so it's a really layered system and you might have heard of 
your sun, moon and rising sign, that's becoming a little bit more popular. And so sun sign is what people tend to know themselves as. That's the like star sign. And that is the way you're here to, to shine in the world and express yourself. But you've also got your moon sign, which gives insight into your emotional landscape and then your rising sign, which is the way you actually first appear when you when you meet people on first impression. And I guess your Venus sign, the way you attract, your Mars sign, the way you go about things. So there's so many different ways you can take a looking glass into astrology. And it's incredible how it actually just kind of either validates or affirms things you already know to be true, but how, how kind of accurate it is. And it, it does feel like it's relieving sometimes to see that it's like a nudge or a hug from the stars. It's like, you do you. Because, you know, it gives you this sense of being seen and it's not by anyone that kind of knows you essentially. It's like, oh no, this is actually written and this is how you're meant to be. And it's, we don't, it kind of removes a sense of needing to compare or be like another person. It really celebrates our individuality. And obviously there we move through these different cycles. So it can also give us insight into certain timelines and when we might feel a little bit more tension or um, I mean 2020 when we look at the astrology of 2020 there's a lot of tension it's interesting it's definitely interesting to follow the the patterns of planets yeah I found it super <laughs> interesting finding out about all my signs and basically everything's in because of my my star sign is Capricorn but basically you told me that most of my signs are Capricorn like I was basically all Capricorn mm-hmm. which is pretty full-on <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but you also have like Aries and part, yeah. like there's watches that playful like childlike sense and, it, and it's interesting where, where it's all placed in, in mm. the chart and like but yeah there's a strong strong boss babe vibe in there. <laughs> we, get a, we get a bad rap for being bossy and like very career focused <laughs> which we are but you know there's other sides like you say with every sign you know everyone has like their things that everyone knows them for. Talk us through the yeah. astrology of this year you know you talk about how uh, there has been a lot of tension. Like, what's been going on? Because this year has been pretty messy. Yeah, so there's been, it's called the um, Saturn, Pluto and Jupiter conjunction in the sign of Capricorn. What that means, it's quite an intense transit. It doesn't happen very often. And when we think of Capricorn ruling things like corporations, power structures, like governmental figures, those kind of sectors, that's all been kind of under fire and Basically, we've got Saturn, which is the planet that's the disciplinarian, and then Jupiter, who kind of expands things, and then Pluto, which is a planet of transformation. So these are pretty big generational planets that are snuggling up together in the sky right now, causing a little bit of a stir. And we're really feeling that down here on Earth, let's say. There's definitely going to be more shifts happening at the end of this year, and I think we'll see a lot more being revealed it seems messy and it is messy and hard but I think that we will see we're setting the stage for for some big changes that are probably necessary so right now we've got a Mars retrograde happening and so that gives us a little bit of frustration and anger and we've kind of potentially people might feel that they're being a little bit roadblocked or or, or things might feel a little bit tense and that's going to start to shift around November 13th. Um, So we might feel a little bit more forward motion. We've had a bunch of planets in retrograde this year, which just means a lot of that 
retracing, reflecting, not so forward moving sensations. And I think that when we think of lockdown, that's pretty much like, okay, we can't really have, <laughs> we can't really have it uh, exemplified in a more mm-hmm. like yeah, tangible way. But in November and December, we've also got some eclipses and that's always like a big shift for us and as a collective and just kind of how we deal with things emotionally. On the 21st of December, we've got a Saturn and Jupiter moving into Aquarius, which is a big shift. It's like a 200-year kind of cycle. And so basically, I think we might see a lot of innovation, um, maybe changes in our economy or our value system. And I think it's just that whole idea of more political transparency, racial justice, technology safeguards around data and things and climate protection like all of this comes into it and we're going to have to basically strip down all the old structures and come up with something new and that sounds quite like far-reaching but we can I think if 2020 has taught us anything it's like change is coming and we've got to be adaptable and there's just a lot of things that people aren't I don't think going to put up with anymore and so it's not like we're going to return to how it was. It's like we do have to start to build something new. And I'm hoping that because of what's going on in the sky, yes, it might be hard and there's definitely changes that we do have to make and adapt to, but I think that it will be for a better world. And I think that even these things like people becoming more attuned to their sense of spiritual self and and seeing tools like astrology or, or even human design, these things are becoming more popular. I think it's because we know that we we don't need to necessarily rely on outer authorities as much and that we do have our own kind of internal guidance system that we can trust. And these systems kind of just give us a, a doorway in to seeing what our internal guidance system says. We'll get back to the rest of our episode soon, but first, a word from our sponsor. Let's talk blue. If you're thinking about creating a podcast, starting a YouTube or Twitch channel, or if you make a lot of Zoom calls, take a minute to think about your audio quality. Did you know the Blue Yeti USB mic is the internet's most popular mic? It's easy to use, delivers premium sound quality, and it even looks great too. Blue's award-winning products have helped countless podcasters, musicians, YouTube creators, and Twitch streamers find and amplify their voices. So if you're looking to share your passion on the internet, you need to check out Blue Mics. Right, let's get back to our episode with Hannah. Talk us through human design. Like, what is human design, first of all? Because I think most of us have not heard of that. We all know what astrology is, but we're not so sure about human design. Yeah, so human design, it's similar to astrology because it's also based on, you know, birth, time, date, location. And in human design, there's a combination of astrology, the Kabbalah, the I Ching, chakras, genetics, quantum physics. It's a big um, melting pot of different modalities, both like ancient and modern. And it produces its own system in and of itself and it provides a, again like a energetic blueprint for a person that, that they will present with when they go through life and just it gives insight into the way you're meant to exchange energy with another person and basically life is just this constant exchange of energy and so having an understanding of how you're meant to operate in the world is just I find really useful and been really really beneficial for me and so there's essentially five energy types which we can go through but there's about two billion possible configurations of a human design chart so it does really celebrate again that diversity amongst people and gives people their own permission slip to do it their way and usually when you experiment with it 
you do start to see things naturally um, flow with a little bit more ease, less resistance, and that's what it's here to offer people. Talk us through the different human design types. Is that what you call them? Is it modalities? I can't remember the correct terminology. It's a type. So there's energy types and there's five energy types. Um, and that's definitely like the first thing to look at. It is the most impactful thing when you have an understanding of your energy type. They are the manifester, the generator, manifesting generator, projector and reflector. And they're all able to manifest. I always like to say that before before I go into what each type means, just because some people get disheartened by the terminology. Manifestors are here to, to create an impact. Basically, the, the energy type speaks of how our aura operates. And so everyone has an aura that's about three to six feet out from their body. And it's the vibes that they radiate outward when they walk into a space. And a manifestor's energy is very big and impactful and spontaneous. And oftentimes people can't really predict what the manifestor's next move is going to be and so they're really advised to inform people of what they're doing before they go out and do it just to kind of soothe anyone's um, sense of unease just because they don't know what their next move is going to be and usually these people are going to start projects start movements they just are really designed to follow their own internal urges and I like to describe them as the train driver who just says I'm going to go from here to Timbuktu you can get on my train or you can get off and so everyone else around kind of has to make that decision and so their aura is quite selective and people will be really really drawn towards it or turned away from it and the biggest lesson I guess for a manifestor is one to communicate their actions to people and then also not to take rejection as a a personal thing it's actually just like a divine sifting mechanism of the universe that's like no that person isn't for you you know we've got to create this movement the next energy type will discuss briefly is the generator and actually both generators and manifesting generators their energy is quite dependent on if they're following their gut response to something so they're these people are really designed to be doing what lights them up and when they're doing what lights them up they're actually able to generate more energy it's really really important that they're in service to their their own desires rather than doing what they might feel they should be doing as opposed to what they really are excited by doing. As a generator, if they have like leaky boundaries and things that will actually deplete their energy. And so when we're talking about feeling, say, burnt out for a generator, it's less about doing less, like they shouldn't stop doing what they're doing. It's more like, let's choose to do something that actually lights me up so that I'm feeling more energized. And in that state, they're they're a really juicy magnetic force to be around. Mm. And as a manifesting generator, these people are, are a blend of a manifestor and a generator. And they here to kind of show us that life is supposed to be a little bit more playful we can take these twists and turns and not necessarily follow one strict path and often they'll be lit up by a whole bunch of different things and it's actually really healthy for a manifesting generator to be doing multiple things at once and um, not to judge themselves if they feel like they've gone into a a certain job or a task and they've maybe finished it to 50% completion and then they're no longer lit up by it that's their cue from the universe to be like okay pivot change path go in this direction um, and they move quite fast and yeah sometimes their their lesson is to actually not judge themselves about changing things or you know not following something so structured mm. the projector they're here to really they've got a really deeply penetrating aura and they're able to see really deeply into other people or into systems and oversee like the bigger picture and spot where energy should be guided and so they're really acutely gifted at at spotting those ways that energy can be um 
can be moved around rather than necessarily creating energy. It's like guiding it and their advice and guidance is super, super valuable. The one strategy that projectors are often told to do is to wait for a sense of recognition or invitation before they go and share their advice or insights and so that's just because it lands best with people when they're open to it and they also are really really encouraged to take rest because when they when they are pouring the energy into something it's very very focused and they do need to take that time to just um, sit back and unwind and they're really here to show us that we don't need to have um, a whole lot of input to create really quality output and that there actually is a, a gift in being able to just, you know, do your thing for a few hours and then hop off and relax or rest or do something that's just like mastering your craft but not necessarily working, 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 hustle, hustle. Yeah. And then the reflector, reflectors are just 1% of the population but their aura is very light and, and translucent and basically they reflect the environment or the group of people that they're in the middle of. Uh, reflectors' health is indicative of their environment and basically it's an amplified version as well. So if a reflector is feeling off, it's actually an indication of the people around that they aren't doing so well but they're really here to kind of be surprised and delighted by life in so many different ways and they'll probably find that they have a very changeable I've spoken to a few reflectors where they feel like they've had so many lives in one lifetime and when it comes to making decisions and things they're really designed to take it really slow so that they feel out their whole process and they are yeah, advised to kind of chat with people hear their decisions out rather than having to be super spontaneous and quick which is again when we think of conditioning in society we've definitely been told to go 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 push push make the decision now and they're definitely here to honor a little bit more of a slower pace and they've got great capacity for wisdom that's a super kind of high level reductionist view of what the five energy types are and there's so much nuance um within that and it's super fascinating when you when you do start to apply mm. the tools that human design offers and people can find out what they are by getting your charts done i mean i know with me you told me i'm a projector uh, which was yeah. really interesting and like it, it's it's interesting to know what type you are because the energy type it, it sort of explains a lot more I think especially star signs are helpful but this is how you fit into the world and how you communicate with others and I guess what we're all here to do uh, where do you fit in on those I'm a generator I initially was like no, that's not me. <laughs> I don't, and I was like, because it's also the, they comprise 37% of the population, which is more common. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> so ridiculous. But then obviously like there are so many nuances to a chart and everyone's so different. Yeah. And you could be this, you could be actually more like a manifesting generator in terms of the centers you have lit up in your body graph compared to, you know, when, when you go into the details of it all, it's like, this is just your aura. It's not necessarily your personality, but it's like the way your energy is designed to operate. And then as soon as I started to actually apply the information of how I should be exchanging energy, it was crazy, like how much more flow came up and I was able to reflect back on just different, like, yeah, my gut signals, like everyone has different body parts of their mental to rely on in terms of making decisions in human design and it is designed to be an experiment so there are like little things you can apply on like more low risk situations I think that way you kind of start to build a bank of evidence that it mm. does work yeah but, I found it really yeah. interesting with the projector once I started to know more about my type is that you know mm -hmm. you sort of said working in blocks and then having rest and that's actually the way my life is set up now 
mostly. I mean, yeah. things do change as a freelancer or when you're working for yourself, but um, <laughs> sometimes it's not like that. But I do find that when I do that, I do operate really well and it's sort of like I can get a lot done quite quickly and then I have a little bit of rest time and it's like it's a, it is a good way to operate rather than sitting at your desk, which I know not everyone has that flexibility, but and mm. I do bust out quite a bit of work in these blocks. Like it's yeah, like but then afterwards just yeah, it's quite interesting to know how you best work. Yeah. yeah no, and, it is really valuable. Now talk us through so if people want to know more, is it to do with I mean, obviously when you're born and your aura, tell us about how people find out about their different type because it does sound a bit more intense and just knowing that I am a Taurus or I am like a Sagittarius you know yeah that's where I really recommend personal readings because you do go into those intricacies but you can absolutely look up more information on your energy type there's a lot more information coming out about it now on the internet and things but I I do think that it can be quite useful to get a personal reading because there is so much definition within a chart that you want to get clear on what what's you and what's not I would like first things first maybe yeah have a look into what the energy type means online but never if it feels like it's limiting or it feels like it's disheartening don't take it on board like it's not meant to be a system that is confining you into a way that feels hard and heavy it's all something that is actually here to empower well that's the way I approach human design it's something that I want to use to empower people and to just shed light on certain gifts and potentially like challenges that might show up if you try and do things a different way and it's not to say you have to do things the exact way that human design says it's just like experiment with it you probably will find a bit more flow yeah um but yeah there's also a couple books I can recommend if you want (laughs) yeah what are the books maybe I can put them in the show notes as well as episode what have you found Helpful. Um, there's a book by Karen Curry called Understanding Your Design. And then the founder of Human Design, Ra who he's actually got a book called The Science of Differentiation. That's if you want to go deep into it. Yeah. <laughs> now, currently yeah. we are in, I've noticed this is more of a thing lately. Like people will be like, we're in Libra season and we are in Libra season. So what does that sort of mean? Because we know Libras are very much like it's the scales, it's the, you know, this or that. Yeah. So talk us through yeah. what Libra season means for us this year. Libra season is different because Libra is the sign of, um, yes, like balance and, and harmony. And they're also a very relationship oriented sign. And so right now relationships are actually something that you really want to reflect on. And I think in general relationships can be our greatest mirror and greatest teacher. And so even if things feel like they are triggering you in relationships or there's certain things coming up that are causing a stir, I would say, this is the time to really unpack what that means for you and where you're going. Also, we just had a Aries full moon and what that would have brought up is like different themes between, because Aries is the sign of like the self and Libra is the sign of the relationship. So actually kind of finding that dance between um, self and other, what it kind of means for you to be in relationship and also in relationship with yourself. In general, Libra season, when people look at their natal chart, they'll see that Libra rules a certain house. And so what that would mean is that they could look to a certain area in their life that for me, Libra rules like the house of my home. And so it's like making my home feel really beautiful or beautiful aesthetics around. Libra loves like charm and aesthetics. You can use it in that way, but as a collective theme, I think we're we're all being shown things through our relationships at the moment. Good and bad, or is it just, I guess, shining a light on things and making you think about it? 
Yeah, and I would actually say because of the Mars retrograde and where it's placed in the sky, I would say that actually there'd be triggers coming up quite a bit for Mm. people and getting activated by certain things, which I don't think are bad. I think they're actually quite good in terms of growth. And so I think that if you take the time to explore what it means for you, and what it means that you can do to show up better in a relationship or, or nurture yourself better. I think that that's actually going to be really useful in relationships going forward. It's It definitely will mean different things for different people. I feel like right now, though, we're having a little bit of... I think there'll be heightened energy more toward the end of the year. <laughs> so <laughs> take the time to chill out in this hormone. I mean, obviously, there's lots of stuff still going yeah. on right now, but it's definitely a time to find a sense of balance inside, mm. whether that's with yourself or within your relationship. When it comes to star signs, a lot of the time, you know, we've got our perfect matches and, you know, ones that, you sh- that mm. your star sign doesn't really work with. Is that true? You know, are there certain signs that do work well together? And then say, for example, people are like, my boyfriend's this, we're not a perfect match. Well, you know, when you're first dating someone, you do look into that a little bit. You're like, oh, yeah. no, that's not going to work out because we'll clash too much. Like, is that does that really yeah. matter? I don't believe in writing off relationships based on astrology. Really also because, like I said, your sun sign is literally just one small mm. smidgen of your chart. And I also think that, yes, there are certain things you can see in a chart where there might be tension or things to overcome in a relationship but one I always think that having chemistry is actually a really good thing so sometimes actually having someone who has an opposing kind of energy to you is actually part of the reason you're you're drawn to them and so there's sometimes lessons to learn or you're just yeah that's the way you're relating and also having an understanding of something like astrology or actually just doing some kind of work to understand yourself can actually allow you to show up better in a relationship and actually gives you, if you understand the other person's chart or however you've looked into their personality, I think that just provides us with more of a sense of compassion rather than placing an expectation on someone to be, I don't know, more like a Taurus because you're a Taurus, you know? (laughs) It's like, no, let's celebrate that I'm a Taurus and you're a Leo and we can do this. You can use it as an actually a really great tool for compassion or like finding the common ground and and where there might be challenges within relationships. So yeah, I would never say yeah. you can't. I so agree marriage. with that because I think people early on, they'll be like, oh, his or her star <laughs> sign is this. Like this year, I've been dating a Scorpio the whole year and, you know, everyone's <laughs> like, stay away from Scorpios. <laughs> but apparently yeah. Capricorns and Scorpios, not that I would have written it off, but, you know, you just see if things work out. But apparently they are actually quite a good match. So, you know, yeah, like all the memes about like Scorpios and staying away, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's quite a harmonious flow there if we're just purely looking at yeah yeah, just as yeah yeah but yeah you have to check out his moon and we'll see what's going on yeah maybe i'll have to i'll have to sneak around and find that out and send that off to you so i can get the download yeah Yeah. Oh my God. What about next year? Like, you know, this year has been a a lot and like we've talked about all the things that have been going on and and uncovering things and a lot of mess. Is next year, do we know that far ahead? Like are things going to settle a bit next year or is it just sort of a continuum of this craziness? I feel like we're setting the stage for next year, but I do think, I do think next year will be a very different energy where 
it's more of this Aquarius vibe. So it's like very innovative. There'll be a lot of change. I think technology is going to become quite a, there'll just be more things. I think we can already see technology, the way it's evolving. But there, I think our value system, because there's, there's another tension point going on in the sky basically, but it's a different kind of tension to what we've seen this year. But it's a little bit more radical. And I think we'll just see younger generations sort of taking taking the lead a bit more, yeah. <laughs> which I feel like they already are anyway. But um, I think it's positive, but I do think that we can't kind of place this false hope that next year everything's going to like be a walk in the park. But I do think we've probably equipped ourselves a little bit, hopefully. Like yeah. I think this is the time right now to really use our whatever tools you have, but like mindfulness and spiritual tools, I think are really important. Just find your own sense of truth and all of this. Yeah, get yeah. yourself through it. I'm not going to lie. I had a feeling at the start of this year it was going to be a crapper. I had just been ghosted. <laughs> I got ghosted after dating someone quite substantially, like not oh, not super long, like a couple of months properly. And then yeah. I was working like crazy while everyone was living their best lives over summer and I was just like, I don't have a good feeling. And then this all happened and I was like, yep. I, never I told had. you. Well, everyone was like, yeah. oh, my God, 2020 is going to be the best yet ever. And I was like, mm, I'm not really feeling that vibe currently, but you do you. Yeah, yeah, no. You're like, told you so. <laughs> <laughs> we have covered a lot today. It's a lot for everyone to think about. But before we wrap up this, I just wanted to go through briefly moon cycles because I found that super helpful. I don't really do it so much anymore, but, you know, new moon and full moon, what do they both mean for people? And, you know, what can people do at those times to help themselves with the flow of it all? Yeah, so a new moon is a really beautiful time to set intentions. And if you think of like it's a dark moon in the sky and it's a little bit more introspective and time to kind of think about what you want to cultivate in your life be it maybe four weeks away, like so as in the next lunar cycle, or it's quite nice to plant intentions for like six months in advance because basically you'll have a new moon, like let's say right now we'd have a new moon in Libra coming up. And so setting intentions for what we want six months ahead, then we'll have like a full moon in Libra. That's kind of when your intentions will start to come to life. And it could be intentions based out around relationships or um, based on things like how you want to bring more balance into your life. So you could use the season that you're in to plant an intention based on that. And then under a full moon, that's usually when your energy is a little bit more heightened. Like we see stats and things showing that we've got more, sadly, like road accidents or, or hospital occurrences and those kind of things that show up. But people tend to be a little bit more loony or, you know, crazy when the moon comes out. And that's actually a time to, it's it's shining light on perhaps how what your emotional landscape is like. And it's also actually providing an opportunity to release things like it's showing you what what you've got and what you maybe want to let go of and so really simply it's like new moon plant intentions full moon let go I always like to encourage people to also kind of follow their intuition and what works with having any kind of moon ritual I think is really nice I feel really connected to the moon personally and Mm. I don't know if you've seen it recently but it's so beautiful yeah it has been but that would be like a what you want to do around the moon and just being aware of how the moon phases affect you particularly um females they tend to be more connected to the moon but the lunar cycle can be actually really useful to to just map your own 
energy. And so I know that when it's leading up to a new moon, sorry, a full moon, my energy will start to heighten. Sometimes people will feel more extroverted and like they want to go out. And then usually the day or two after the full moon, my energy crashes crazy and then it kind of picks up again. So my energy, my low energy is often actually just a couple of days after the full moon rather than it being at the new moon. So, you know, you kind of start to track your own energy around the moon and then it, you, it provides you with a great reminder of where you might be at. And I have actually like planned certain events and things just based on how I think my energy will be mapped around the moon and it's tend to do me well. The other thing around the full moon, just nothing energetically, it's always a really beautiful sunny day or like nine times out of 10, the days either side of the full moon, really beautiful days. So if you're planning a holiday, <laughs> look to win the full moon. Hey, that, that is a good tip. That is a good tip to know. Hey, and look, while there's yeah. no international yeah. travel, you can plan plenty of day <laughs> trips or trips around the country. Well, just up in the day. garden. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Hannah. Super interesting. And we really appreciate having you on. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for weekly episodes and catch up on the backlog of eps you may have missed. Until the next episode, make sure you're following the Self Love Club at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram for daily content, IGTV clips of interviews, and you can find me at Belle Crawford. Plus, find resources and articles on my website, bellcrawford.com, with a new recommendations page with my book club, all of the good shows to watch. And also, you can actually listen to all of the podcast interviews ever on the Self Love Club on the podcast page. We've got heaps of incredible guests coming up with weekly episodes available each Monday. I'll catch you really soon. Ellie the most, okay? Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.